Hey, we have an amazing event coming up, the Expert Advantage Workshop Series, where every day for a week, starting on Monday, May 20th, it's myself and another expert coming on to present to you about various kinds of things to help you with your brand and your business. Our brand new experts and residents in pro are gonna be there to co-host these workshops with me, and you're not gonna wanna miss it. You'll have a chance to ask all of them questions, and it's completely free to join. All you have to do is go to smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Wednesday, May 22nd, we're gonna be talking trademarks, copyrights, how to know when to do it, what IP can you do it with, and the common pitfalls that most people fall into when it comes to intellectual property. 101 with Yasmin Salman Hamdan, and you're not gonna wanna miss that on Wednesday, May 22nd. And then finally, to finish off the expert week on Thursday, May 23rd, we're gonna be talking with Pamela Slim, about how to monetize and scale your IP and position it and package it in a way that is unlike anything you've really been taught before. Incredible value from Pamela and all of our experts on our Expert Advantage Week. And all you have to do to sign up and join and get all the links that you need is smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Again, one more time, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. Join us on our Expert Advantage Workshop Series. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Again, smartpassiveincome.com slash advantage. What's up, everybody? Paflin here, and welcome to episode 1174 of Ask Pat 2.0. You're about to listen in on a coaching call between myself and an entrepreneur just like you, and you get to sit back, relax, and learn all while somebody else is in the hot seat. But hey, you get to listen in, which is fun. And today we're talking with Hal Reynolds who owns a company called Comms Creatives, C-O-M-M-S creatives.com. She helps professionals who are behind people's social media channels and are communicating online. She helps those professionals with their work. And so that is a really, really great thing. However, what's not so great is the problems that Hal brought to us today, which is there are so many things that we can do to grow this business, too many. And because of that, it's overwhelming. We're afraid of taking the wrong direction. We're afraid of choosing the wrong thing. How do we begin to prioritize what we could do to grow a business? And if you've ever felt that way, you've ever felt like you could go this way or that way or that way over there or this way over here, then this is for you because we unlock a lot of things here today to help how know where to move forward and how to move forward, right? It's much more about balance and structure versus let's see how much of all this we can do. Right, And then, of course, prioritizing, choosing the right things. So this one, I think, is gonna be a popular one because I know from my own experience, this is something that comes up all the time, not just here on Ask Pat, but with myself. So why don't we just listen in? Here we go. This is Hal from comscreatives.com. Hey, Hal, welcome to the Ask Pat 2.0 podcast. Thanks so much for joining us today. Oh, I'm absolutely delighted. Thank you very much. I've been listening for so long. It's great to, to talk to you. Oh, to you as well. Thank you so much for that. I think before we get into helping you out and helping the listeners out, let's first learn a little bit about you. Who are you and what do you do? I live in Wales in the UK and I run a business that trains corporate communications professionals to use social media. So back in the day, before I set up my business, I worked in local government, so a small council in Wales. And I used to do kind of general media relations and MySpace came about. We got the council on MySpace and then kind of everything <laughs> became a bit more social. So 
I spent part of my career doing social media for a council. Now I run a training business and I love it. So I train not-for-profits and usually PR and and communications people in not-for-profits. And I did that often face-to-face. So they would ask me to train them and I'd go to their offices and do that and love it. And You know, I've got a very creative approach, I think, and I'm not very corporate. So I always Mm. thought that was probably quite a good thing because everything else out there is is kind of very dry and, and corporate. So I've been doing that for five years, but... About three years ago, I have a condition called psoriatic arthritis. So I was beginning to get really tired going around the country, getting on trains, standing in front of people all the time. So I decided to take the training online. So we have an online academy and it's called the Social Media Comms Academy. And in there, we've got a social media course, like our, our flagship course, and we do Nice little fun 90-minute masterclasses every month. We've got a content calendar and it's it's like a lovely place for people to gather. And a lot of the people that we work with, uh, they work in a communications department. They feel a bit misunderstood sometimes because people around them think it's just a case of wanging a story onto Facebook or, you know, putting a news article onto Twitter and thinking that works. So it's a nice kind of atmosphere of support for each other. So there's probably like a little community that you formed as well, right? Like nice friendships forming. Yeah, lots of nice friendships. All of us working in similar kind of areas around the not-for-profits. Around the time we went online, my sister quit her job as a primary school teacher and she's come into the business as well. So she helps with the community management. So if I'm teaching live, then she'll do the taking the questions and the the comments and the chat and she does all the things that I don't do very well. So I'm the most disorganized person on earth. And <laughs> luckily she's not. So she takes on a lot of that kind of stuff as well. That's really cool. I love that. I'd love to ask you, like, first of all, social media, you're never going to have things to run out of talking about, right? I mean, this things are changing all the time. And I'm imagining maybe there's some conversation about Clubhouse recently and like all these other new things that are coming out. So there, there, there's not a um, loss of, of what you could potentially talk about. Of all the things, what would you say is your specialty or what are the top platforms that you seem to just like really, really help people out with? I'm curious. Well, it's interesting you should say that. So when I'm talking about kind of public services and charities, they're not usually using things like TikTok or Clubhouse. They're trying to establish themselves on the main platforms like really Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and Instagram as well. But they're interested in in developing there. So For me, I feel like what we do really well is help them to understand how to get an audience engaged with them. So it's it's about kind of starting community conversations and thinking more about their audience and what they're interested in talking about rather than what their boss wants them to promote. So it's really a focus on instead of being a a PR person who's putting out messages for your organization, you're more of a community manager and you're kind of building relationships. Yeah. That's a fantastic answer. It almost makes me believe it. Like, honestly, it doesn't matter what the platform is. It's about where you can build the best relationships with your customers. And, you know, I would imagine that these people feel very empowered once they start to see the connections that they have with their customers, their students, their audiences, to then bring that to their boss to go, hey, here is what everybody's saying. I mean, that's so that's so powerful. So that's great. Of all that, I mean, we're here on Ask Pat, obviously. So I'd love to ask you, what's on your mind related to all this? How might I be able to help you today? Well, I'm loving how the business is going. And we've got, in the past year, I've 
We've got a nice newsletter following. We've got about 5,000 subscribers there. It's a fun and useful newsletter. And I feel like I'm growing the business, but I want to do everything. And I get really excited by everything. And I want to do a course about every topic that I'm interested in. I want to do a podcast, YouTube show. Like I would love to do it all. And I get excited by things. And then sometimes just either don't do it and I should do it. I'm worried that I've focused my energy on the wrong things. And for me, I want to grow the business. So the question I think is, if I'm going to grow this business, what should I prioritize? Because I love it all. I'm a lucky position that I really love what I'm doing. And it's just about kind of trying to get a little bit of clarity really on where I'm trying to go. I mean, you said the key word there, which is prioritization. Just as a quick exercise, what approach do you think is better? Trying 10 things and putting 10% of your energy across all those 10 things or putting your energy into one of those things and potentially having it not work? Which which one do you think would give you the best chance to succeed? I definitely the one thing and it not work. I mean, I do feel like I can make almost anything work if because if I'm putting all my energy into it, then I can adjust until it does work. But it's just for me, sometimes it's fueling the motivation to keep with something rather than just be attracted by the shiny thing over there. When it comes to staying on task or keeping that thing going, what do you feel is the reason that happens? Is it actually because of the fact that there are other things that you want to try and that's what's attracting to you? I know that's what's attracting to me often. Or does the thing that was exciting start to not be as exciting anymore because now there's actual, you know, grinding and hard work put into it and it's not like, you know, starting a YouTube channel sounds fun put yourself on camera, you get views, you can engage with an audience. But then you got like the editing and like all this other stuff that kind of gets uncovered once you start. So of, of all those things, which ones do you think are kind of pushing you away from the thing that you said yes to before most? I think it's a bit of both. A bit of both. For instance, with the email newsletter, I was barely putting it out once a month. And when I did put it out, people would say, I love this newsletter. But then I would never get to put it out. Now I'm doing it weekly. And for me, it's kind of a sense of, I know that it's working for us. So that helps motivate me to to write the weekly newsletter. I know that weekly is good because people are telling me it's not too much, it's not too little. Like I feel like I know that my motivation is often about feedback. So I get lots of emails replying to my newsletter saying, I love this. And I think sometimes I can lose motivation if I don't get a quick result, which I'm really, I feel this is like therapy. I've never really (laughs) thought about that before. This show is usually more therapeutic than anything, but okay. So first of all, you're not alone. This is a very, very common thing, especially for somebody who's experienced some success. You want more of it and you know that you can do it on any of them. So it's like, let's do all of them. And I think that we have to kind of rewind a little bit and go, okay, what are all the options out there? And let's lay them all out on the table and let's start to make some smart decisions in terms of where we want to move forward. And I always take it from a calendar approach because I want to know that, okay, if I say yes to this thing, what does that actually do to my calendar? And do I have even room for it? How much of it can I actually put in there? And then when I see what that one thing that I'm just, again, not choosing and I'm just seeing what happens in the calendar, I can go, wow, if I choose this one thing, then all these other things aren't even a thing that I can even think about doing. I can't do all of them. So how important is this thing? Well, let's try it with, you know, idea number two and put that one in there. Oh, that one seems a little bit more manageable. And I have a team member who says that they can help out too. This one we might be able to do. 
And then what I always do is with each new thing, number one, I don't do the new thing until the old thing has been optimized. So why that's important is because then I can get more time that I don't feel like I'm trying to find, but I'm, I'm actually like earning more time back to then use into something else. So that's where I would start no matter what, no matter what the thing is that you're gonna do next. Optimize the systems and the protocols and things that you have now. You sound like you're very much like me, a little bit disorganized, but very, very motivated. And if you have a right-hand person to help you stay organized, whether that's your sister or somebody else or an integrator of some kind or online business manager, that's where I got most of my time back, hiring Matt to do a lot of that stuff that I just don't want to do or I'm not good at so that I can be in creation mode a little bit more. And that's what it sounds like you love is the creation and the correspondence with people. You're probably, I don't know if you've taken an Enneagram test, but you sound like an Enneagram three to me because you're just like me. You thrive off of realizing that you're providing value to others and you love that recognition and love that feedback. And for me, a lot of threes on the Enneagram scale are visionaries. They're forward thinkers, but we're not so good at actually like putting things into the motion that we have in our head. And, and this is where having outside help can help you. So part of optimization is that, thus opening up more time to experiment and try things. And I allow myself to try one thing, but I dedicate that extra time I have to that one thing. In fact, it's actually even more scientific than this. I spend 80% of my time doing the things that I'm supposed to do, and I allow myself 20% of the time to play, to experiment, to mess around with one other thing. And I always go, okay, how long am I gonna try this thing out? What does success with this look like and by when? And if that doesn't happen or I'm gonna check in with myself at that point to see if it's even worth going, I'm going to be okay letting go of that if I need to let go of it. Or I'm now gonna integrate that thing that I was doing in my 20% into the other things I was doing and then try to optimize that so that it gets integrated, and then I can get more time to do the next thing. And that's how I always do it. The SwitchPod, which was an invention, a physical product, I wanted to play with that. It's, it was the bright, shiny thing to me. And I'm like, okay, I like bright, shiny things, and I'm gonna allow myself for a bright, shiny thing with 20% of my time. And for me, that was one day a week, right? That I can focus, and I can play, and I can experiment, knowing that if it were to fail, that's okay. Because I've given myself permission to just try and experiment. And that allows me to scratch that itch while still making sure everything else is taken care of. And to me, that's that's the right way to do it as opposed to just either flying by the seat of your pants and just trying whatever whenever you feel like it. Or also what often happens is I'm gonna neglect everything else I said yes to already and spend 80% of my time on the new thing. And that's not good either. So is this helping a little bit in terms of like how we might be able to structure things in a way where you can still play but also get other things done? It is because I like the idea of it having an end date where you reevaluate or you look at it because I think I would get the sense of if I'm going to do that, but I still want to do everything else. But at least I can say, well, I'll just put that in the back burner. Exactly. And then I can come back to that as one of my projects before. And I do, I just, uh, I don't know if it's a British thing. I fanny about a lot, but I just, I get an idea. We call it fannying about. So. (laughs) Oh, you're funny about it. Like, okay. You know, well, for instance, I do these little cartoons and I love them because I get instant feedback from my audience and they love them. But then I'll get an idea from that cartoon and then I'll end up writing a blog post, but they'll get half written and then I'll go and do something else. I'll have another idea. And I think the idea of focusing in on something, but knowing I'm not stuck to it forever is quite nice. I like that. Yeah, it's a season. 
right? It's a season. In this season of Hell's Show, you're going to get cartoons every week for three months. That's this season. Next season, it'll be something else, maybe. Or you might find that it actually takes off like the SwitchPod did. And you're like, okay, well, this actually turned out way better than I thought. Let's let's lean more into it. Or, hey, that, that was fun. And I, I was able to sort of satisfy my taste buds. And, and let's, you know, try another dish now and be okay with that. I think I think what this means is just embracing that this is just who you are, but putting some structure around it so that, like you said, there's an end date. Like, I don't want you to regret doing it. That's the thing. We don't want to have regrets about our decisions. Even if it doesn't work out, you don't regret it because you probably are going to learn something and now you can move on to the next cool thing after that. So do you have any kind of criteria for how you pick what you're going to do in that that one day a week? Are you trying to focus towards anything specific or just playing or how do you do it? It depends. With the Switch Pod, which again was that physical product that me and my videographer invented, that was very much play because that that had nothing to do with my existing business. That was very much on the outside. And I was just more curious than anything. And I also felt like, well, I guess in a way it is relevant because I could learn and pass on that information to my audience and have now a new part of the brand be like, oh, well, I also did physical products and I can help you learn about that too, or Kickstarter or, or whatever. So it was kind of relevant, but it was honestly more play more than anything. But there have been other things like, oh, let me, you know, write a book. Like I didn't need to write a book. I just felt the need to. And I was, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to dedicate 20% of my time, which was not one day a week, but it was more like one hour a day just to stay consistent with the writing. And the drive for that was actually what my audience was asking for more than anything. But knowing that if I just kind of like put everything down and wrote a book that I would be neglecting all the things I said yes to. So let me have this be the next project, which also helps with another thing. It also helps with learning, right? If I'm writing a book, I don't need to learn about Pinterest or how physical products work or Clubhouse. All I'm gonna focus on learning about is writing a book because that's the one thing that, that is new to me that I'm learning about. And I think a lot of people, perhaps even listeners right now, experience content bloat where we're just absorbing everything and that doesn't help when we absorb everything. When we absorb the just right things for the things that are just right in front of us, that is just-in-time learning, and that's, that's what's helped me a lot too. That's really useful. And it's nice to know that you do it as well, in that like, you make time to play as well as do projects that you think probably have more of a focus to do with your business, because we're called comms creatives, that we're supposed to play and create. Exactly. Yeah, I think I just get frustrated sometimes that I think maybe I'm just not doing the right thing because I want to do everything. I'm afraid that I'm missing this kind of magical thing that will grow my business into something else. But yeah, I mean, that's that's the FOMO part of it, right? And and, and it's hard because we compare what we're doing to somebody else who's doing something similar and they talk about a strategy and we're like, that's the I need to do that. I need to do that. And it's hard because we're apples and oranges and we're different. We have different timelines. So I think experimenting, knowing that things may not work out and being okay with that is, is really the key. Knowing that you either get the result you want or the lesson that you needed, right? Either way, you're moving forward. And the next time you choose something, you now have a lot more at your disposal from previous experiences. And the truth is, if you try something and it doesn't work, is the business gonna fail and completely fall over? No. Right. Which sometimes we think about it's like, oh, if I don't do this, like everything's going to be ruined. So allow for yourself to play. You know, I tried the one thing, Gary Keller, Jay Papasan's book, The One Thing. I can't do that. Just I'm programmed to want to do everything just like you. 
So I have to create boundaries around this need of mine. And, and that's been really helpful. Oh, that's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah, I think that's that's nice. It's something I can also discuss with Leslie, my sister, so that we can kind of plan it into the diary. And for me, it's the motivation to keep going. And I think if, if I know that it's something that's that's defined like that, then it'll definitely help. But I don't know what it's going to be yet. <laughs> On that regard, I love to imagine what success would be like with each of those things. So pick like one thing to insert into the 20% and go, okay, what would life be like a year from now if that went exactly the way it was supposed to? What what does that mean now for the business? What's what's happening? What's my day like? Okay, come back to real time. Let's do the same thing with B and C and D. You might find that you time travel into timeline C and it's just like, that's not what I want. Okay, let's just even get rid of that idea. Let's throw it out of the window. And that can help because what ultimately matters is not just how this affects your business, but it's how it affects your life, your lifestyle, you, your happiness, your stress. So that can be a great thought experiment to help you understand which ones to go forward with too. Secondly, finding some data to go behind them. Like once you validate it for yourself as a good idea, validating it in the market, maybe you know you have this beautiful email list, maybe you're running a survey. Here are three things that we're thinking of doing Maybe you, you know, go to the audience and go, which ones of these do you feel would be most useful for you? And then now, again, you're getting validation, which you want from your audience and you like. And now when you create the thing, it's no longer a guess. It's based on data. And you can go back to them and say, hey, you all said you wanted this. Here it is. We've built it for you. And let us know what you think. And it'll be very interesting to see how people respond after having been involved in that decision-making process. They might feel even more connected to it. I love that. And I've got such a lovely, loyal community of people. And I don't know. Yeah, of course I should ask them. (laughs) (laughs) Like, Why have I not thought of that? That That's brilliant. Yeah. It's probably because you have 50 other ideas. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's really useful. And I think just asking people what they want as well solves a problem for me because I I like the feedback where people tell me that it's been useful or it's, it's helped them have a laugh even. So if they're telling me that they want it, then it'll probably be a bit motivating for me to give it to them. Well, I feel like we unlocked a lot today and I'm really excited to see what you do with this because it's still going to be challenging. You're still going to have to battle yourself essentially as you make decisions. But now you have some more constraints to go through it and some direction. So I'm very happy about that. And and Hella, before you go, can you share with everybody where they can go to find your business and learn more about you? Oh yeah, please. Thanks. And they can go to comscreatives.com dot com. That's our website. And you can find me, Hal Reynolds, on Twitter. I'm at Hal, R-E-Y-N-O-L-D-S. And I'm on everywhere at Hal Reynolds, really. That's the Helen Reynolds would have, was already taken when I went to Twitter. So I'm oh, going yeah. with Hal and that's where I am with the rest. I like it. <laughs> but I love a good chat on social media. So yeah. All right. So we'll reach out to Hal, that's H-E-L, and then Reynolds with a Y. Thank you so much for today and for opening up and sharing because I think this is going to help a lot of other people too. So best of luck to you and hopefully we can catch up with you again in a future Where Are They Now episode. I'd love to see sort of what comes out of this. It'll be really interesting. Oh, this is brilliant. Thank you so much. It's a thrill to be on here. Thanks. Thank you. I'm, I'm thrilled you were here. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed that coaching call with Hal. Again, you can find her at comscreatives.com as well as her sister, Leslie. They together are in South Wales working on this business together, which is super cool. I love family businesses like this and tag teaming on it. And so to Hal and Leslie, congrats on the success of your business. And I hope this helps you move forward and understand how to prioritize and what to do to begin to grow and scale this thing in the way that you want. So 
best of luck to you and I hope we can reach out to you again in the future to do one of those follow-up episodes. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Speaking of a lot of fun, it'd be really fun to chat with you, the listener. I'd love to potentially coach you just like I coached Hal today. All you have to do to potentially make that happen would be to go to askpat.com and there's an application button there that you could fill out, send me a little voicemail, tell me about what's going on and then we might reach out to you and get you on the show. And just, I'll do it for free so long as you allow us to share it in front of others because that's what helps all of us win. As you can tell, we can learn a lot from hearing about other people who are going through similar things or who have gone through things that perhaps we might be going through in the future. And that's what it's about, helping each other, serving the community. And uh, again, thank you so much for coming, for listening. I appreciate you and I look forward to serving you next week. Make sure you hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. And as always, Team Flynn for the win. Peace out. Thanks for listening to Ask Pat at askpat.com. I'm your host, Pat Flynn. Sound design and editing by Paul Gregoris. Our senior producer is Sarah Jane Hess. Our series producer is David Grabowski. And our executive producer is Matt Gartland. Ask Pat is a production of SPI Media. We'll catch you in the next session. Hey there, thank you for listening to Ask Pat 2.0. Now, you might have noticed that we haven't published a new episode in a while, and that is because in 2023, after 1,269 episodes, we decided to sunset the show, for now at least. And this way, we can focus our energy and efforts on our other podcasts and other projects. That being said, all 1,269 episodes are still live and downloadable, and the published dates may be old, but there are still a ton of questions I've answered on the show and people I've coached. Those episodes are just as valuable as they were back then. So you can also visit smartpassiveincome.com slash askpat to dig through the archives. Plus, there's a search tool on the website that lets you search across our podcasts and blog. And of course, the Smart Passive Income podcast is still live and energetic and awesome and publishing twice a week. So make sure you're subscribed there so we can still continue this conversation. And we have some of the foremost experts and thought leaders in entrepreneurship on the show every single week. So you definitely don't want to miss it. Again, check it out. It's the Smart Passive Income podcast. Just find it wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find it there as well. Thank you again for listening in and I'll catch you in the next one. Cheers.